Hello everyone. At age 13, I began wearing glasses, and for the past 47 years, lenses have been part of my life. Without lenses, I would see the world differently, out of focus, blurred. My eyesight has been challenging. I've had cataract surgery, and I've had secondary cataracts removed. And I've been seeing double lately, so I had a prism placed in one of my lenses. And even though the lenses were fixed, my eyes still give me fits. I have floaters in my eyes, which are a constant nuisance. Anybody with me? My eyes, well, not the worst. They're not great either. But I'm grateful for sight. Believe me, the ability to see. And I'm grateful to my doctors who can peer into my eyes and see with amazing clarity the impairment and diagnose the solution. If you don't mind, I want to use this analogy of lenses to introduce our next topic today. Some of it may be a little cheesy, but please hang with me. So think of the optometrist peering into your eyes. God does this to us. He does it to peer into our souls, into the confines of our heart, to diagnose, diagnose our moral vision, the way we see the world, the way, the way we see him, the way we see others, the way we see ourselves, the impairment of our being. This is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's about a kingdom vision, a way of looking at the world through different lenses, a prism to help us see the world as Jesus sees the world, a lens that brings true life into focus. The true nature of Christ's kingdom is easily perceived, but for some unexplained reason, it is often not in focus. We are provided the correct lenses, and we are given the prescription to see clearly, but other factors mar our vision. So here's my question today for you. What are the lenses by which you see the world? Now let me repeat that question. What are the lenses by which you see the world? Now, this is an important question, is it not? Brothers and sisters, how we see the world is a mindset. And whether we like it or not, we are being shaped by this world. Everyone here is being disciplined by someone. Our character is being bent, shaped, and formed by someone or something. It is either being shaped with a kingdom vision or a world vision. So as we continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus moves from conducting an inventory of our spiritual disciplines to the heart of that which skews our vision more than any other topic, our treasures, our money. Yep, the source of our impaired vision for the most part, is the division of our hearts when it comes to the topic of our finances, of that which we value. And Jesus knew this. It's why he spoke on the topic more than heaven and hell combined. <laughs> Did you know that one out of every ten verses in the gospel are about money or treasures or finances, that which we hold dear? Sixteen out of twenty of his parables have something to say about money. 25% of Jesus' teaching are regarding financial resources. And here's the most interesting fact. Jesus never asked for money. He didn't ask for finances to build a building. He didn't ask for money to fund his ministry. Jesus never asked for money. And like the discipline of fasting, which we spoke about last week, this is a topic for which we 
largely ignore. Our treasures are are personal, aren't they not? And they're supposed to be kept out of the topics for which a preacher is supposed to address. And yet I can't be faithful to the text if I don't address the ambition and the desires of our heart. Okay, so listen to the words of Jesus as we continue in the sermon. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, this is, this is just going to be difficult for me. I, I'm a forensic theologian, <laughs> to coin a term for my mentor. I love to peer into the fine depths of, a, of, a te- of the text. I love to break it down. I love to take the phrase. I love to search for the hidden meaning, connect the dots, follow its leads, and, and allow the text of God's Word to speak. And here I am today trying to given over you six verses, six verses, six verses which have vital implications for every single one of us. It's the way we see the world. It is our mindset. And this is going to be difficult for me, but I'm going to give it a try. Covering six verses in one sermon. I haven't done this in the Sermon on the Mount, so here we go. Over and over in this sermon, uh, Jesus uses a phrase, do not, but do this. Do not do that, but do this. Do not take an oath. Do not resist the one who is evil. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do not heap up empty phrases. Do not be like them. If you do not forgive, do not look gloomy. Do not be seen by others. In our text today, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Remember what Jesus is imploring us to do in this kingdom manifest. We are to look through different lenses. We're to see things differently. If we go through this life with improper vision, there are consequences. There are. And Jesus says, and and, in his words, those consequences are severe. Listen. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Here's some other words of Jesus. And anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And we all know how that story ends. These are the words of Jesus which close out his kingdom sermon, the kingdom manifest. Brothers and sisters, are we not all searching for the good life? Are we not striving for a life of meaning and purpose? And and are we not wanting that which is righteous and true to live in our hearts? And I would hypothesize money, our treasures, often keep us from enjoying the pleasures of heaven. Heaven on earth as it is above. There is a space within all of us that God wants to occupy. Heaven on earth is not defined by a building, but by a space deep within us. Our souls, our money, our treasures are often that which keeps us from obeying the voice of Jesus. Why? 
Why? <laughs> because our hearts follow what we worship. Isn't that true? Our hearts follow what we worship. Hey, look at your bank account with a little investigation, and I guarantee you, you will be able to see what you worship. Or, or you may not even need to glance at your bank account because you already know where your treasure lies. Listen to this verse again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Is there anything wrong with having money? Is there anything wrong with ambition and desire? Is it okay to acquire? Well, is it? Yes? No? Well, what's the answer? I can give you the answer. It all depends. It all depends. My values determine the focus of my treasure. So what do I value? Who do I value? And are my values misplaced? This is the question that Jesus is warning us through this whole sermon. Don't do that, but do this. Why? Jesus is trying to give us a kingdom perspective. He wants us to see clearly, but our eyes often play tricks on us, don't they? Okay, so the double vision in my left eye was so bad before I had a prism placed in the lens. At a distance, I couldn't tell which image was real. They both looked the same. Here's the funny thing. <laughs> They were the same. One looked just like the other. But the problem was is they were out of alignment. Our treasures, our money is not about the accumulation or the lack thereof. For Jesus, it's all about alignment. Placing God in the proper, proper perspective alongside our treasures. Our treasures, our money, our stuff is not eternal. And we know this. We're not going to be able to take it with us when we die. But our stuff, our money, our treasures can be and should be used for eternal purposes. They can and they should. And, and, hey, and many of you use them for eternal purposes. This is what I love about Lake Homa. When there's a need in the family of God, you guys come through. What also is funny is we often think we have control of our lives. What this pandemic has taught me, and probably many others, we control a whole lot less than we think we do. Isn't that true? We control a whole lot less than we think we do. And that's why Jesus says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do this. Do this. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay, okay, so let me ask you another question. Is there a bank in heaven? What, what, James, what, a bank, what? Let me repeat the question. Is there a bank in heaven? Well, absolutely there is. Absolutely there's a bank. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us. There's the bank. It resides in God's care. It is filled with an inheritance for all those who abide in Jesus Christ. It is a place where our selfless actions, our devotion, and our righteous deeds are being stored. Listen to this from Jesus. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. 
These are Jesus' words. And let me remind you again, this alignment is all about one's motive, one's heart being in alignment. The Pharisees believed their show of righteousness would gain them access to the heavenly home with God. They gave to the Lord. They even gave a tithe, 10% of the mint, dill, and cumin. They even parsed their spices. But Jesus says they forgot the weightier matters of the law. How often, brothers and sisters, am I blinded by this world? How often does this world draw my attention away from that which is important? And what are the weightier matters of the law? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as yourself? There's a start of the weightier matters. Over the past year, our nation has been at odds with one another. The rhetoric on both sides has been deafening. The opinions, the points of view each hold have become treasures for which we will not let go. Each group is wound so tightly the spring is about to burst. And so we are so passionate many times about our treasures, about our opinions, and I'm and I'm hey, I'm willing to listen to whosoever opinion, but, but when we place our trust and our faith in those viewpoints, those treasures, we place our trust, our faith in a system that was never meant to provide everlasting fulfillment, right? It's a system of this world. There are false treasures which will bring us nothing but rust and moss. And yes, we must live in this system. Jesus lived in a system which was as corrupt as could be, and yet he demonstrated how to live with the kingdom perspective. Eyes which saw perfectly. Eyes which were focused on his heavenly Father. His words, I and my Father are one. Hebrews 11 is an account of the Hall of Fame members whose eyes saw clearly. Those who had a kingdom vision. Their names are written on those pages because they saw what others could not. They placed their faith in that which was not seen. Their treasure was not of this world because as the Hebrew writer says, God had provided something better. James, James, what, what, do, you, what do you offer in treasures, opinions? I thought this sermon was about money, about finance, that it is, it is. But listen, listen, listen to me. It is also about any treasure which moves us away from the reliance and our trust in Jesus Christ, whether that's an opinion or it's money. So for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, here's, here's the next thing. Our character reveals the way we perceive. It's the manner by which we observe what is around us. Let's, let's dig into this text in the next two verses. The eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now I'd like to read that again. But this time I want to replace the word I with the word character. See if this hits a different chord. One's character is the lamp of the body. So if your character is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your character is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Our character is our moral and ethical vision. 
It is what others see. It is often revealed, too, when we are under stress. I can tell you that the Lake Home and Ministry staff, they can tell when I'm under stress. Now, I try and hide it, but often those stressful situations, my true character is revealed. And so I have to remind myself, do I, do I tell the truth or do I stretch the truth? Do I forgive or, or do I hold a grudge? Do I practice what I preach, literally? Do I give with a generous heart or do I give grudgingly? Am I kind and patient? Who am I? Am I full of light or am I full of darkness? When stress hits you, how do you respond? Now understand this. All of us have character flaws. <laughs> we do. If we, if we did not have character flaws, we would not need Jesus. So yes, all of us have character flaws. But there are many who also are living in darkness. Their character is bad. Their sight is plagued with disease. They are not able to walk in the light because they are blind, blinded by this world, blinded by their treasures. It's the exact reason Jesus called the scribes and the Pharisees blind guides, blind fools, and blind men. They were hypocrites. They did the right thing with the wrong motives. And there we are again. There we are again, right back to motives, the internal workings of our heart, our character. These individuals, the Pharisees, they parsed their spices. So let me ask you a question concerning your treasures, your money, which has everything to do with your character. Do you have a scarcity mindset or a generous mindset? Which one? When it comes to treasures which our Heavenly Father has given us, do we hold them with a tight fist or do we open our hand and steward them with the mindset of generosity? God desires we steward well those gifts he has given us. And let me throw this out. If your lifestyle is keeping you from being generous, you can't afford that lifestyle. You can't. And if you can't bless others with your treasures, you lack margin in your life. And if you're in over your heads, and if your priorities are out of whack, like, let me recommend two individuals from our congregation to speak to. Jimmy LeBrun and Robert Lockwood. All right, so these two men lead a program titled Financial Peace University. You, you've probably heard of it before, but if not, look it up, Financial Peace University. I've been through this study twice. It continues to be one of the best Christian financial teaching tools available. This course offers common sense truths one can always trust to help them make better money decisions. So in nine lessons, one will discover the fastest way to dump your debt, to save money, to build your wealth, so you can align yourself with a perspective of generosity. I would hope, I would pray that everyone listening to my voice has the desire to be generous. You want to be a generous individual. We want to have the mindset, a character, a perspective of generosity. That's, this is my hope and my prayer for everyone who calls Lake Homa their home. I've said this before. Deborah and I decided many years ago that we would follow a pattern regarding treasures, the physical treasures for which we have been blessed. We, we didn't invent this pattern of giving. It's formed out of Scripture. So, before taxes and any bills, right off the top, we give 10% to Lycoma. And then we have two or three different nonprofits we support, which are on top of that 10%. And then there are many other opportunities which arise during the year 
Whether here at Lake Homa, like Mission Sunday or other opportunities, this is the formula we have been using following this for 35 years. It's something we decided early on in our marriage, and it's been a blessing. Okay, so listen to these words of Jesus. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So how are your lenses? Do you see clearly or do your lenses need adjusting? And remember, remember our character is moldable. Our eyes can be fixed. All it takes is putting one's faith in Jesus Christ and adjusting our vision to have a kingdom perspective and putting our trust in the eye doctor, the great physician. Let me close with, I know I told you it was going to be cheesy, but let me close with the verse from Hebrews. So listen to these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race which is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And let me say this to all of you, Lake Homa. Thank you for your hearts. Thank you for partnering with God in this ongoing work in this church and in this community. We are joining God in the work he is already doing in this world. And I love that each of you are supporting that effort. I love your selfless acts of generosity. It is a delight to partner with you in this mission of bringing God and Jesus Christ to a broken world. I love you, Lycoma. I pray God blesses you. And I pray that you will keep up the good work. Blessings.